This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie and I'm Tommy and you're listening to series eight, episode 13, face to face. We don't have any announcements for you today, uh, so we just want to go ahead and encourage you to go check out all of our social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon. Uh, a special shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Uh, you guys keep the podcast going, and we love all of you. And with that, let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 8, Episode 12. The underdogs of Narshada. In that episode, we get to do something super cool. We get to play Hutball. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple listeners uh, uh, commented and, and messaged us about how excited they were to see Hutball in the mix. For those of you who uh, who don't know where Hutball comes from, it it's one of the player versus player options in the MMO RPG, The Old Republic. And myself and another cast member not, who's not in this series, uh, but Ryan Covert, who some of you are familiar with, uh, both of us played The Old Republic for a good handful of years. And most of that time was spent playing Hutball. Uh, and the whole idea that it originated in Nar Shaddaa is part of the lore. So when the campaign kind of took a turn and it, they had to hide out with Stello on Nar Shaddaa, I, I couldn't not bring Hutball into the mix <laughs> Which actually led me to a couple interesting decisions that I made uh, during this episode and the previous one, because much like any other kind of mission, like a you know data retrieval or or anything like that, I, I tend to come up with the general opposition and like the layouts and and like the facts of the situation. But a long time ago, I kind of came to the conclusion that it was too much effort to try and and think of the solution for the players. Because, you know, if I spent a bunch of time thinking of a bunch of different solutions, the players would always think of another one that I hadn't thought of, and I'd still have to wing it from there. Uh, and, the, and the same goes for, for this mission. You know, I kind of, I thought of the fortress. I knew that there was going to be a hutball game going on in the middle with the barn swallows. And I knew where the data core was. And that was about it. And how they decided to approach it was up to them. Though, of course, I was very excited to include hutball, so I I did have Stello suggest like one way you guys could get in would be to pose as a hutball team. I didn't know where you would go from there, but it was just a fun way to include playing hutball in the campaign. But pretty immediately, you guys decided that was uh, that was not the plan you wanted to go with. You wanted to figure something else out. And you came up with an interesting uh, idea of like going to the gang that got ousted from that fortress uh, to see if they had any intel, which is not something I had actually fully fledged out or thought of. But it was a cool idea. So I, I went with it and I came up with uh, the idea that maybe there was like one of those windows had bars you could get through. And that's where it hit me like oh, this can be up on, like, the entertainment catwalks. It gives them, like, a cool vantage point where they can see stuff and they can drop down and intervene if they want. That'll be really fun. All of this is to say I, as the GM, obviously very much wanted there to be a hutball scene uh, in, this, in this campaign and during these missions. I was very excited to include hutball, almost to the point where I hadn't even considered you guys taking an approach which didn't involve you playing a game of hutball. <laughs> And ultimately, I kind of rode a dangerous line there as a GM because you you don't want to railroad your players. You don't want to be so excited for the thing you want to have happen that you force it on your players. My decision to continue touching on Hutball and having the Hutball game be like prevalent and around and continuing to kind of invite you guys to engage with that thing that I was excited about, uh, that decision was based around my understanding that the reason you guys as players uh, turned down the sneak in as a hutball idea that Stello pitched wasn't because you thought hutball was totally dumb and wouldn't be any fun to interact with at all, but because this 
crew is pragmatic and cautious and it didn't make any sense for them to do this kind of zany like let's go play a game of hubball and sneak out after the game's over that kind of thing like that that just didn't fit your mo and whenever you're gming and you have something that you've kind of prepared uh, it is a very strong gm choice to continue to build around the thing you prepared like you know the the fact that i had you guys going through the catwalks in the hubball game and the fact that when you wanted to go meet one of the dog catchers you know to do so you had to go to the workshop that the barn swallows own and meet the barn swallows like all of that was me on the fly thinking of different ways for you to interact with the stuff that i had already kind of prepared and fleshed out that's a strong thing to do as a GM. On the flip side, though, if you have the wrong read of the table and you're forcing them to interact with something that you have prepared that they're not interested in, that can go really poorly for you. Uh, we've all been there for sure as as GMs. As you go through, you come up with ideas that you're like, oh, this would be so killer if this, or oh, it would be great if they did this. And, and you come up with these like amazing set pieces. And uh, I think that... A good GM will will give the table the choice to interact with those set pieces. And I think it's a it's a advanced quote unquote technique to emphasize uh, a path to these set pieces uh, without feeling like there's no other choice. So if you're unsure how the table feels about it, give it as an option and then don't push it from there. You can always reuse a set piece in another game at another time. Yeah. And one of the the key moments in this exchange is that um, as you guys were leaving, you had completed your objectives while I definitely wanted you guys to jump down and play hotball so I could narrate some fun hotball stuff. I still left it as an option. I said, what do you guys do? You guys could have decided, you know, the barn swallows can handle themselves. It's too much exposure. Let's get out clean. And you guys could have left and that, you know, and that had you made that choice, I wouldn't have then like made some, some guards come out and force you to jump down. I would have, you know, let you guys make the choice not to participate in the hutball game. But ultimately, it's a risky proposition as a GM to, to ride that line and continuously reintroducing a set piece that you're interested in should be something you're very conscientious about because you definitely don't want to pressure your players into doing something that they won't think is fun. Well, luckily, I had a great time playing Hutball, so uh, this one worked out just fine. Yeah. But now the time has come for you to tell me what your favorite part was this episode. You know, I usually try not to do this when we go to favorite parts where <laughs> I, I say my favorite part is the thing we just talked about in words with the GM. But my favorite part was absolutely Hutball. It was it was the thing I was most excited about. I've played many, many hours of Hutball on the Old Republic and getting to mix it into my role playing experience and like narrate it and have Guy Finnegan from the Tefra series being the announcer. It was just everything was tons of fun. It was it was a good tonal shift for uh, an otherwise very serious and sometimes like grim campaign. Uh, it was fun to like have you guys play a game <laughs> <laughs> and have like a pretty low stakes like challenge. Yeah, I had a I had a great time playing it. It's a it's the best being the all star receiver. Uh, but what about you? What was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part was actually a little earlier uh, in the episode, uh, though it did show up in the Hutball game, um, is that uh, throughout the entire campaign, Tan's been a little bit of an outsider. She hasn't really had a place that's like home besides the exhibitor and, and people that she can like identify with. And something that I really enjoyed and was my favorite part, even though it's kind of like extended and sprinkled throughout uh, a bunch of episodes, is... Uh, her companionship and camaraderie with the barn swallows and just Narshada in general feels like a place that Tan could like be and and be like content to be herself. Uh, and I really enjoyed that because because Tan is is one of those characters that like you just want her to find her like happiness. Uh, and I feel like she got a little bit of that here. Tan definitely fits in really well with Narshada, kind of like what we were talking about in the previous words with the GM. And, you know, thinking about it, she's she's not a smuggler per se. You know, she's like an ex-military pilot and so on. But at the same time, she kind of is a smuggler. For the past three years, she's been smuggling around two Jedi for <laughs> uh, right under the Empire's nose. So I think I think she's well at home in the, at the smuggler's moon. <laughs> 
But you guys have not left Narshada yet. In fact, some trouble is brewing up at Stello's palace. Uh, so uh, let's see how that shakes out. And without further ado, let's move on into Series 8, Episode 13, Face to Face. Enjoy! I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master LeWitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials, defusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Lubbock and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exhibitor, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to find my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor, there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now? Now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and Elkiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my MO. We've done some good helping out with the hiding underground. One day, though, I'm going to give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war. But I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0 at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well. There isn't much time. Please lean back. This will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorrel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Nguyen, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, 
And now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tam, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. When we last left our heroes, they were on the moon of Narshada, gaining access to an information broker that is the rival of their ally, Stello the Hutt. This man's name was Chago Amadin, who held a knightly hutball match in his relative fortress of a building. The team snuck in, got the information they needed, and then on the way out, assisted the losing team of the hutball match, uh, a team called the Barn Swallows, who they had befriended the other day. As they left the fortress, they received a somewhat suspicious phone call from Stello the Hut, in which she dropped a code phrase that her and Jaxomar are familiar with uh, that indicated that she had been compromised. Uh, the four of you are now in your airspeeder heading up towards Stello's palace or somewhere else. What's your plan? I would like to use Seek and very quickly try and seek the three remaining members of Reaper Squad in sequence. Uh, so you start with uh, uh, Commander Rissa Anaro um, uh, reaching out in the force uh, to try and get an idea of where she is. And um, you get an image uh, of her um, in a hallway matching the decor of Stello's palace. Reaper Squad is at Stello's palace. Anaro is off the Bloodhound. She's in the palace. Uh, I will, I will use seek to find Magana Disc. Uh, reaching out in the force again, you see her in a similar uh, hallway with a similar decor. Small comforts, but Magana Disc is not on the exhibitor at this moment. Dasha, that doesn't mean anything. They must have been in the area already. They were too quick. This is too quick for those guards to have relayed any information. You're right. I don't know how they found us, but somehow they knew we would be here. At the risk of being insensitive, we are not equipped to extract a hut. <laughs> Oko, I don't know if we're equipped to extract ourselves at this point. We could charter another ship. Tan's face flushes, and she opens her mouth, and then she shuts it. Let's just see what the situation looks like first. As you wish. Even if we need another ship to leave this planet, Darthanari's mask is on the exhibitor. I don't like the idea of that falling into Reaper Squad's hands. So you guys continue ascending up above the skyscrapers of Narshada uh, towards the floating platform that is Stella the Hut's palace. This is pretty obvious, but I'd like to move as stealthily as possible, taking whatever route we need to to approach Unseen. Yeah, you can you can kind of like coast in the uh, uh, in the like normal airways a little bit, and then approach from like below, uh, which would be the place with the least amount of sight lines, um, and actually gets you closest to the spaceport, which is that conal um, extension from the b base of the central platform, where you can actually get to where the exhibitor is docked. You guys can pull up uh, to the exhibitor. Just for looking at it from the outside, you see whatever work the dock crew of Stello the Hut had started, they cert certainly did not finish. Uh, the exhibitor has only healed two wounds. And also what you notice as you get closer to where the exhibitor is, uh, which is eerily unguarded, um, the ship has been landlocked uh, on the dock. It has been clamped shut um, and... Uh, uh, as you're pulling the uh, airspeeder into dock, you know the only place uh, that would control such a landlock would be Stella's throne. Oko. Yes, Master Tan. If we got you on the hull, could you run diagnostics from the outside? See if there's anything funky? I believe so, yes. Before we uh, dock, I'd like to try to bring the airspeeder around to get Oko on one of the, you know, like back ventral shafts, something that's somewhat hidden from the spaceport. Yeah, you pull up uh, uh, to the exhibitor, Oko. You, you uh, 
tap in and run an external diagnostics. Um, and uh, you can go ahead and roll a hard computers check against three challenge dice. Can I assist by uh, negating the security overrides I put in place for tampering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, it's your ship. You can absolutely assist. Take a boost die, Oko. I will flip a light side point to upgrade to one additional proficiency die. No successes, four advantage, one despair, and one triumph. <laughs> uh, so scanning for any kind of traps or uh, you know bombs attached to the hyperdrive or anything like that, your scan comes up inconclusive. Um, however, you do, with your advantages and triumphs, realize that there's some kind of strange energy coming off of some kind of external device. It's not actually tapped into the... Uh, into the excipitor's main drive, um, but your like your short range scanners kind of pick it up and actually uh, uh, directing Tan uh, to that location. You kind of move down and over, and uh, you actually find uh, kind of jammed up into some of the paneling of the excipitor. Uh, there is a tracking device that was planted on it. I've discovered a tracking device. Can you disable it? I will try. You do, and your despair comes into play. Hey. You take five strain uh, as you do remove it, um, but you get wildly electrocuted at doing so. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> I've managed to remove the tracking device. Looking at the tracking device, you see it's not pristine. It's got some, you know, carbon scoring on it. Uh, it looks like it may have been there for a little while. We need to attach this tracking device to another ship. Looking around the dock, do I see any ships that look like they... Don't just go back and forth. It's not just like a freighter, like something that exotic, maybe, that would go to a really strange sector. You see a couple ships, a ton of airspeeders, uh, nothing that really screams like cargo hauler or anything like that. Um, n- nothing that nothing that like outwardly uh, gives you enough information without you like tapping into their logs. I'm sympathetic to trying to buy us more time away from these Imperials. But putting the tracking device on someone else's ship is sending Reaper Squad after them, and I doubt they will be kind to those they find. What purpose would they have to attack a ship that is obviously not the Exhibitor once they get there? Assume they had aided us. While this discussion is happening, I would like to sense the general area for for sentient beings. Okay. Reaching out in the force around this this dock uh, on the lower levels of the palace you pick up nothing there's no one around here okay you're right oko can i see the tracker certainly i want to try and stash it somewhere that's easy to grab when we're heading back to the exhibitor like i don't want to take it with us so that we're tracked but i want to be able to grab it on our way out yeah you can do that there's plenty of crates and stuff around the exhibitor you can just set it somewhere on the dock do i know of any ways to get to stello's palace besides the most obvious direct route through the hallways? Are there hidden pathways through this palace I'm aware of? Uh, no, not, not any hidden pathways, to be sure. You know that um, that turbo lift is the way to get up to her main throne room. Uh, there's a couple doors that jut off of that throne room, but they, they go to other places on that relative like upper level. The only way to access the throne room is through that turbo lift. She does it for security purposes. Uh, there's a couple, you know, ventilation shafts that lead to that area because, you know, she needs fresh air. And also there's some droid access uh, terminals that uh, someone may be able to crawl through or climb up. Uh, they'd be a little tight, but uh, relatively humanoid sized. Um, so there's some options there, but nothing that's like an intended secret passage. That and like blasting your way through the glass dome at the top. I feel like they know we're coming. I think we should show them that we're not afraid. Okay. But we could split the difference if you'd like to try. Stella's expecting me. If I'm not there, it's a clear signal that something is up. That doesn't mean everyone else has to join me. So perhaps Tan and, and Oko, you could use the droid access and, and we'll, we'll go up the turbo lift. Okay. I don't love showing our full hand. I think this at least gives us something to work off of. Are we locked out of the exhibitor? No, you can actually you can you can board the exhibitor. It's just it's just locked from leaving the dock. I go onto the exhibitor and I leave my scoundrel's jacket behind 
and I take out the Jedi robes that I stashed hidden in my quarters and put them on. Okay. Uh, after uh, a short time coming out of the exhibitor, uh, Jaxamar, the image of a Jedi Knight, uh, walks down the ramp. And you guys make your way over towards the turbo lift. Um, you can go up it a little bit to uh, uh, to like a mid-level section where Tan and Oko can make their way uh, to one of the droid access tubes. And first thing I'm going to need from Oko and Tan is uh, an athletics check to struggle your way through this uh, through this tunnel. I will assist, Master Tan. And this will be an average check uh, with two setbacks because uh, it's a, it's hard for the two of you to kind of coordinate your movements with Oko kind of pushing Tan up and over. Uh, I will activate my sense danger talent to remove both of those setbacks. Okay. No successes. One threat. Okay. Um, so each of you takes five strain making your way uh, up this pretty difficult tunnel it's like it would be easy for you oko um but you're you're assisting tan who doesn't have like repulsor lifts and stuff like that um the droids that go up and down these tunnels obviously have some sort of aerial flight capability because there's some parts of them that are just straight up vertical uh while there are like maintenance handholds and stuff it is quite difficult for you tan um and uh, occasionally you like slip and almost fall and like oko like catches you and bumps up against the the walls and uh, by the by the time you make it up towards the upper levels uh you are feeling it in your arms and your legs uh and oko your your like repulsors have been working like over uh, have been working like triple capacity to like keep this going for this long so you're beginning to like overheat a little bit is this an encounter yes i will use my second wind talent to avoid going into full system shutdown nice <laughs> uh so there's a point tan when you're when you're getting up there you kind of like oko kind of like lowers down a little bit and like their voice starts to get a little distorted and you look and you see as as their um screen that is their face begins to like distort and and about is about to power down you you like reach back and grab onto uh their shoulder to stop them from falling down a shaft and there's just like a few seconds there where you're kind of panicking holding on to a handhold and holding on to oko not sure what to do and then there's a whoop, 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 and uh, oko goes into power saving mode and uh their screen lights back up and the repulsors kick back on and uh, uh that goofy little screen face looks up at you smiling not to worry master tan please continue don't scare me like that oko uh, meanwhile, Elkiri and Jaxamar, you guys um, uh, enter the turbo lift, and you have a, a few minutes while you're waiting for uh, Tan and Oko to get into full position. I meditate. Uh, I will stand watch. Okay. Oko and Tan, you guys get up to the upper levels. You are close enough to in, engage uh, from the uh, engage the throne room from uh, basically any cardinal direction you like. As you, uh, as you are in this kind of ring below the floor of the, uh, of the throne room where these, these service droids would be popping out of the ground to go over and serve her and then go back into the ground. Can I take a peek um, from one of the corners of the room? Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll a daunting stealth check with two challenge dice. Uh, though you can have two boosts because, I mean, you're very well hidden. I will flip a destiny point to upgrade this check. That is no successes, one advantage. Okay. Um, so you kind of peek up from like one of the floor panels and you see Stello there on her floating platform, uh, just kind of humming to herself. <laughs> and then uh, you hear uh, a voice from one of the adjacent rooms, pipe down. And, uh, and then Stello like quiets up and then looks down and sees you and her eyes go wide as uh, as the elevator opens up and Jaxamar and Elkiri are standing there across from Stella. Stella's eyes snap up away from where you are, Tan, as uh, Jaxamar and Elkiri step out into the throne room. She lets out a sigh and goes, oh, Jaxamar, you just had to come back, didn't you? Of course I did, Stella. You know me better than that. Uh, as you say that, the two doors flanking the lift on either side and behind you, Jaxmar and Elkiri, open up. And the 
two doors on the opposite end of the chamber uh, behind Stello also open up, and from all four doors, stormtroopers begin filing out. They create an almost full perimeter around the throne room. Uniformly, they turn towards the center, their weapons in hand at the ready, but not yet raised to fire. From one of the doors behind Stello, following the last of the stormtroopers, is, in fact, Commander Rissa Inaro of Reaper Squad. Uh, she wears black special forces stormtrooper armor. On one shoulder, her uniform sports the red imperial emblem. And on the other shoulder, there's the red circular emblem with a stylized scythe that marks her as Reaper Squad. Her dark eyes scan over the two of you. Uh, as if sizing you up and analyzing you. Her eyes dart uh, to where your lightsabers are holstered, and then uh, she looks uh, expectingly at the lift behind you as it closes, as if trying to see where your team might be hiding. Her black hair is pulled back into a short, clean ponytail, and she walks out pretty calmly, and she's armed with a blaster carbine. Following her out is the slightly taller and broader Magana disc. Her red curly hair is cut short at the sides and braided down the center. In her hands, she casually totes a very large autocannon, uh, which is attached to a compressed ammo pack on her back. Rissa steps out and places herself behind and to the left of Stello, and Magana mirrors this positioning behind and to the right of Stello. And uh, Stello speaks up. I'm telling you, Commander, you're going to regret bringing your business to Nashadar. Uh, the Hut Cartel and Rissa, without breaking eye contact with you, Jaxamar, uh, interrupts Stello. Quiet, slug. It's good to finally meet you face to face, though I was hoping to talk to all four of you. We can wait. It may be a while. Hardly seems worth the time. Though, with all this time hunting you, I'd be lying if I say I didn't respect the abilities of each of you individually. I never thought I'd see another Jedi after the Clone Wars. Last time I spoke with your crew, I offered to take you in alive. That offer no longer applies to you, Jedi. I'm sure you understand. That you're afraid? Yes, I sense that. <laughs> afraid? Of what? The two of you. Why don't you tell me? Don't be foolish, child. When it comes to the matter of killing Jedi, I happen to know an expert. And the turbo lift opens behind you, uh, and you turn to see that inside stands a tall, slender figure in black and gray armor. Black layered plates of armor reach up the back and sides of the figure's neck and head, and a glossy black featureless mask covers most of his face. Only his mouth and chin are visible. A square jaw with sickly purple gray skin. His pale lips curl into a cruel grin, revealing blackened, oily teeth and gums. His gauntleted left hand clinches in a, in a fist as his right hand angles away from his body, igniting a red lightsaber. The handle of which is slightly longer than most lightsaber handles, and it has a strange silver ring that connect, connects the top of the handle to the bottom. Commander Inaro continues speaking. The Grand Inquisitor was most intrigued by our reports of Jedi and was kind enough to loan us one of his pupils. Allow me to introduce the third brother of the Inquisitorius. Third brother, assist the Jedi in what they do best. And uh, he advances forward on you, Jaxamar and Elkiri, uh, Elkiri mm -hmm. uh, ready to, to strike you down with his lightsaber. Um, and as you both like take a step back and get ready, uh, Stello booms out. Now you just hang on one, li one minute, little lady. You're more than a little outside your depth here. The Empire doesn't call the shots on Narshada. Neither do the Inquisitors. Not even the Hut Cartel calls the shots on this moon. You know who does call the shots on this moon? Stello the Hut calls the shots. You think you can just walk into my palace, kill my private guard, hold me hostage, and threaten the life of my favorite Jedi? Nuh-uh, sister. I'll see this place burn first. And Stello slams her hand down on... Uh, on the console of her throne room, and uh, you all feel as the whole palace lurches to the side as it begins to descend and list to the south. The stormtroopers and reaper squads stumble to the side, and the Inquisitor stands tall, bracing one leg up against the door of the turbo lift. He reaches his hand back, uh, and his lightsaber ignites a second time out of the bottom of the handle, revealing itself to be double-sided. 
And with one powerful swing, he launches his blade forward. And the, uh, the blade emitter spinning around the outer ring of the handle so fast that the lights blur together into one menace- menacing red disc. Uh, the lightsaber soars overhead directly at Stello. Uh, I will attempt to grab the lightsaber with the force or force and my hand at the same time. Okay, so it's going to be an opposed check for you to alter the course of this lightsaber. Yeah. You're rolling a daunting discipline check against three challenge dice, and you have two setbacks. I rolled a despair. Uh, Elkiri, the lightsaber uh, flies overhead. You reach out in the force, and there's a backlash of dark energy. All you feel is is despair surrounding you. Uh, and you manage to like tip the angle of the, the lightsaber a little bit, but you're not able to alter its course. And it carves through the shoulder of Stella the Hutt. Uh, her her platform like kind of dipping down as the weight of her uh, falls to one side. The lightsaber swings back around and uh, you are going to temporarily suffer the effects of fear. The difficulty of your next check will be upgraded as you you felt the raw dark side power of this force user who threw this lightsaber. As the Inquisitor throws his lightsaber, I dart forward towards him, igniting my lightsabers and striking at him if possible. Okay, uh, you can go ahead and roll one attack and then we'll do initiative. He has two defense and he's adversary three. I will ebb as I do. Okay. So it's a wash on success and failure. I have three advantages, a despair and a triumph. And with these two light side points, I add two threat to any check he makes before the end of my next turn. Okay. Uh, so you dash in swinging at, uh, at the Inquisitor, and he's ready for it using the motion of, uh, of the moving palace uh, to roll underneath your attack and catch his lightsaber on the other side of you. As you flow the force around you, while you are successful kind of pushing it against him, you too feel this dark, menacing presence of this Inquisitor, and you too are going to be under the effects of fear for your next turn. Your next check will, the difficulty of your next check will be upgraded. But uh, you got a bunch of advantages and a triumph. Uh, Is there anything in particular you wanted to do with those? Uh, I will spend the triumph to disable his lightsaber as much as possible. Okay. And I will send those advantages forward as boosts to the next allied check. Okay. He darts underneath you, uh, catching his lightsaber, uh, kind of raising it above him, barely missing him with your with your swings. You kind of arc around and are able to clip the ring emitter of his lightsaber as it locks back into place. And the, bo- the blade that's coming out of the bottom of the handle uh, goes out. Uh, and now he only has a single-bladed lightsaber. Uh, and he grits his oily black teeth at you. And everyone can roll initiative. Uh, Tan and Oko, you guys get two boosts for being uh, so well hidden. Uh, did anyone get better than a five? I got a five. And did anyone get better than a three? Four successes with one advantage. Using rapid reaction to suffer one strain, uh, I have three successes, one of which is a triumph, and three advantages. One point four. Okay, uh, so you guys have the first turn, uh, then the opposition has a turn, then you guys get two more turns, and then the opposition gets two more turns, then you guys get your final turn, and then the opposition gets four turns. Who wants to go first? I will apply the effects of Korkemko Quick Flash Burning Gel in a tight circle around Commander Inaro's feet, dropping her to the level where Tan and I reside. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we'll call that a mechanics check to try and uh, achieve that in one quick turn and in a precise enough position uh, to actually affect her. Uh, this will be a hard opposed check with two challenge dice. You can have a boost die because she doesn't know you're there. One success with six advantages. <laughs> so 
yeah, Rissa's obviously distracted by the Hut's uh, strangely heroic final act as she uh, decided to take the uh, take all of Reaper Squad down with her. Um, and she doesn't realize the, uh, the ground beneath her, uh, beginning to melt away until it's too late. She tries to leap out of the way, but she falls cleanly down the angle of the slope, uh, with all these advantages, uh, the angle of the slope makes her fall into the, uh, area where you and Tan are. And then she tumbles down it towards the access, uh, tunnel you came up, uh, which is a vertical drop, which she slides down, uh, shouting out and she's out of this fight. She's plummeting down uh, down a droid service entrance right now. We should move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Jaxamar and Elkiri, as you see Rissa, uh, Commander Rissa Naro uh, slide into the ground as the, as the floor below her melts into slag, the third brother stands straight up blocking, uh, blocking your vision and seeming to not spend time considering the damage done to his lightsaber, he moves into attack immediately before you have a chance. He is coming after you, Jaxamar. I will dodge and upgrade the difficulty of his check. Uh, so he succeeds and you take 10 damage. He rushes forward, uh, single focused on you, Jaxamar. He raises his damaged lightsaber, already adapting his style uh, to account for the fact that it's damaged. And uh, you take uh, a, a step back instinctually as that like kind of cold uh, darkness comes off of him, and you're you're able to block a couple of the attacks, but he attacks with like pretty intense fervor, and uh, he manages to uh, find an opening in your defense and uh, run his lightsaber along your right leg, cutting deeply into it. Uh, now you guys have two turns. We are severely outnumbered, and um, I am going to take care of that. I am going to use the move force power on the domed window, and I'm going to pull it so all the glass falls down on everyone and shatters everywhere. Okay. Um, we'll call this a... An average discipline combined check, uh, just to see how much like you can like how effective the shrapnel is. It's happening probably no matter what. Um, but as far as affecting the people below, uh, we'll see if you choose the right parts of the ceiling to cave in. Uh, and I will flip a dark side point to upgrade the difficulty of this check. And also, it's upgraded again because of your fear that you are feeling. I'm also going to suffer a strain as an incidental to take improved center of being. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to flip a destiny point to be able to use my uh, these these two dark side points, the two dark side points that I needed okay. um, uh, to make it happen. And that's four threat and six successes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, you feel this fear uh, uh, bearing down on you and uh, you see the dozen stormtroopers surrounding you um, and this inquisitor bearing down on on Jaxamar and you kind of in the moment harness that fear to reach up in the force and smash the central um, metal design at the top of this dome shattering uh, shattering the uh, the dome as a whole uh, the metal framework of it bending and twisting and, and breaking as it plummets to the ground the strain of using this much uh, like dark side energy uh, gives you four strain for the threat that you rolled and uh, glass and shrapnel begins falling down around uh, Jaxamar uh, I'm going to need you to roll either a coordination or athletics check. It's going to be hard with three challenge dice. And you can have a boost because Elkiri, you know, is mostly raining metal and glass down on everybody. But like, you know, in the end, she's trying not to hit you. And you're nearby her and she's trying not to hit herself. One failure and four advantages. So you take five strain as uh, as piece of, small pieces of metal and uh, shards of glass rain down on you and kind of cut you up, but your robes protect you quite a bit. Elkiri, with this pole of force, crushes in the framework of this large dome uh, and glass and metal uh, rains down 
um, a large chunk of the metal framework lands and topples into uh, three of the stormtroopers, knocking them off the platform. And they go flying down below to the city of Narshada. A couple others get hit with uh, glass and uh, stumble, clutching uh, wounds and falling to the ground and rolling down the uh, down the sloped throne room. Um, ultimately, Elkiri, you take you've taken out six stormtroopers with this attack. Magana gets uh, gets pelted a little bit, but manages to like move mostly out of the way of of some of the larger shrapnel. And the Inquisitor, with a with a wave of his hand, pushes the glass and metal away from him. Uh, some of which flicks into uh, into Jaxamar, uh, and the Inquisitor is unharmed. And you guys have another turn. So I would like to burst out of one of the droid access points. Yep. Behind Magana Disc. Sure, yeah, you can. And then I'd like to take a called shot at her ammo pack. Okay, so that will be two setbacks uh, for the called shot. Um, she is adversary one. That's eight successes with one advantage. Yeah, you blast that. <laughs> you blast that thing clean off, like right at the point where it loads into the uh, loads into the auto cannon. She's gonna be able to shoot it next round, but she's lost the uh, she's lost the ability to shoot it afterwards. And because you succeeded so well, uh, she's gonna lose the ability to use the auto fire feature of her auto cannon as this like piston operated uh, droid port shoots you up to the floor. Um, you kind of leap up uh, with the momentum of it and fire off a couple shots, completely blindsiding her, uh, sp- uh, spraying uh, some blaster energy from the cord attached, uh, attaching to her uh, ammo pack. And she spins around, eyes shocked, looking at you. Never touch another woman's ship. She at at the beginning she looked frustrated and then like seeing the like the the spunk you have with that with that comment she grins like as if she's relishing the the challenge and she levels her auto cannon at you uh, pulling the trigger only getting a few shots off before it dries up but we'll see how she does and I will flip a dark side destiny point to upgrade her check here and she hits dealing eleven damage. And dealing a crippling blow, uh, one of her special talents. Uh, you have an additional effect from this attack, which is you will suffer one strain whenever you move for the rest of the encounter. As she uh, is is sort of like instinctually relying on the on the um, recoil of her auto cannon, aiming a little low as she fires it, and the couple of bolts that shoot out uh, hit up your shin and into your knee. Uh, and you uh, let out a shout of pain, uh, falling down to one knee. Uh, and then her her auto cannon uh, clicks dry, and she uh, presses a button on her three point sling, and it, it drops down to the ground. And she pulls out a vibro knife and squeezes her uh, left fist, lighting up a shock glove. Meanwhile, one of the uh, uh, one of the still standing squads of uh, stormtroopers is going to uh, get in position, uh, stumbling a little bit as uh, as the platform begins to tilt a little more, and they're going to try to shoot at you, Elkiri. Okay, um, with my lightsaber and buckler activated, I have two defense. So they shoot at you. Uh, but like one of the like mangled um, pieces of of um, framework slides along the ground, uh, bumping into them and knocking them back, and their shots go wide. Uh, and Jacksonmar, it's your turn. I will spend my maneuver to aim, and I will extinguish Dudo's lightsaber as I spend my maneuver aiming, uh, and I will flow as I strike out at this Inquisitor, and I will spend a destiny point to upgrade this check. Okay, he has defense two and adversary three, and you are currently under the effects of his fear. Uh, so I miss, but generate five advantages. Ooh. And with these two light side points, I will add two automatic advantages to my next lightsaber check. Okay. And I will send two boosts forward to my next check. Okay. With advantages and one boost forward to the next allied check that isn't mine. Okay. Uh, so you move in uh, with both lightsabers, starting to get an understanding of this 
Inquisitor's lightsaber technique. Uh, it is it is down the line Shi Cho, uh, the the most pure and straightforward of the lightsaber techniques. And you rush in um, knowing, like, where he'll block. You know the, like, forms for where to block. And you know how to exploit that and raise and lead his expectations to make him open himself up. And you swing with Dudo's lightsaber. And right when he goes to block it, you turn it off. Uh, uh, so his block goes wide. And you swing back around. But with pure uh, force of will and, and raw strength, he manages to, like, shift his weight and, and pull his lightsaber back just in time to block. But you've got him on the back foot now uh, as he is uh, you've uh, gotten in too tight for him to fully use the range of motion needed for Shi Cho and you now uh, are pressing the attack against him changing the tide of battle in your favor and the final squad of stormtroopers uh, is going to fire on you El Kiri um, getting in position uh, moving around the other stormtroopers who are shoving off the mangled metal that uh, rolled into them uh, these stormtroopers are going to get in position kind of stumbling as they do uh, sl- slipping on some of the, the broken glass and they're going to uh, uh, fire on you uh, and I will spend a destiny point to upgrade their check and they just barely managed to hit you El Kiri for 10 damage I will reflect that um, taking taking the restraint to do so. Okay. You raise your buckler, uh, blocking a couple of the shots, and spin around, dipping your lightsaber behind uh, behind you, vertically blocking uh, another shot. But then as you spin around to try and catch the final shot with your buckler, you're just a little short. It's, you know, you're, you haven't quite mastered how to use this buckler in tandem with your lightsaber, and the, uh, the shot um, uh, clips you in the shoulder. And we are now at the bottom of initiative, and before we reach back to the top, the Inquisitor gets another turn. Uh, so, unable to really bring his lightsaber to bear against you, Jaxamar, the Inquisitor grits his teeth, puts his hand directly against your chest, and uh, tries to use the Force to shove you back towards the edge of the, of the palace. Um, so, I'm going to need you to roll an opposed either athletics or coordination check. Um, you can benefit from your boosts because you that you gave yourself earlier as you're rolling an opposed daunting check with three challenge dice. I'm going to spend a destiny point to upgrade this check. That's a wash on success and failure uh, with one advantage. Okay. So uh, he rolls his force dice, um, but because your Padawan is nearby uh, and she has the ability calming aura, he automatically generates one less force point uh, and because of that he's actually forced to use some light side force points which means I flip uh, a dark side destiny point to the light as it occurs to you that uh, you know what little you've studied about Sith and uh, and uh, dark force users uh, to not strike with one's lightsaber and to instead use the force for protection is a little out of character uh, this might be uh, it, it gives you the, the pause that maybe at one point this inquisitor was uh, trained by Jedi at some point for him to instinctively use this defensive maneuver. Um, and he succeeds, uh, shoving you all the way back uh, to the edge of the, um, of the palace. But because you got an advantage, you're able to grab onto some uh, mangled framework to stop yourself from flying off completely. Um, and now that we are at the top of initiative, the angle of the listing palace uh, is becoming more steep and it's going to count as difficult terrain uh, from here on uh, from here on out everyone is going to have one setback to all of their tests as they struggle to maintain balance uh, since I'm on one knee uh, I will take that opportunity to aim twice and take some strain uh, and shoot back okay she has an adversary rank of one and a defense of two That's no successes, but six advantage. I'd like to make her drop her weapon and then pass the remaining three boosts forward as advantages to the next allied check. Sure. Uh, You're down on one knee, kind of stabilizing yourself. Uh, She uh, she stumbles a little bit as the slope of the throne room becomes more steep, and uh, she stumbles in a way that makes it so you don't quite hit her with with the uh, shot of your blaster, but you do knock the vibro knife out of her hand. Um, and she uh, stumbles back um, uh, as the knife flies up in the air and then down into the city below. And uh, 
Having force pushed you to the edge of the throne room, Jaxamar, the Inquisitor raises his his arm back again and throws his lightsaber at you again. It soars with the same precision as it did when it struck Stello, but it uh, it spins with a little less fervor, having been damaged. I will suffer a strain to dodge and upgrade the difficulty of his check. <laughs> he doesn't hit, but he ju- does generate a triumph and an advantage. And a despair. <laughs> so what will happen is uh, he throws it at you. Um, it spins by. You manage to uh, block it with your lightsaber, uh, st- uh, stumbling back a little bit. And it spins back around and almost clips your head off. But because uh, the bottom emitter is not activated, uh, it actually just hits you in the back of the head, staggering you. Uh, so you cannot take actions next turn. But the force of hitting your head does make it fly a little off course. And as the, as the Inquisitor uh, reaches to grab it, uh, extending his arm at its full length, uh, the, there's an explosion that happens down below, and he loses his footing and starts falling down, sliding towards the other end of the, of the throne room, away from where the turbo lift uh, is, away from you, Jaxamar, past Magana, past Tan, and off, uh, off the edge of the throne room, out of sight. Uh, it's now one of your turns. I will spend my turn making it into the turbo lift, and I will just I'll just duck around a wall and take a moment to clear my head and regain my senses. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the turbo lift is at the top of the slope of the throne room. Uh, you're just a, a little bit around from that on the edge. Uh, you stumble forward, uh, having to like catch yourself against the the weight of uh, gravity, turning yourself around, uh, dizzied. Uh, you make your way, uh, taking some deliberate strides up to grab the edge of this turbo lift and pull yourself into it, uh, and like lean up against one of the walls there. Uh, as your vision starts to come back into focus. And I will call out from the turbo lift, it's time to go. And uh, it's another one of your turns. I'm going to use my maneuver to move into the turbo lift as well. Sure. Um, And then I will use move to pull Tan into the turbo lift. Okay. Uh, Unless Tan resists, this is not an opposed check. Uh, So you just have to roll some force dice. I do it. Okay. Uh, Tan, you feel uh, as your damaged knee on the ground, uh, you kind of feel the weight of that lift up a little bit as you kind of slide your your ankles dragging on the ground towards the uh, turbo lift. Um, uh, Elkiri with one hand holding onto the edge of the turbo lift and the other hand reached out, uh, force pulling you towards her. And you enter the turbo lift with uh, the rest of them. Uh, Magana, uh, stumbling back, uh, keeping her footing on the slope, watching you go. I'll throw one last punch at her as I am pulled away. Uh, she stumbles back, kind of parrying the punch a little bit, uh, 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 trying to maintain her footing. She is going to use her turn uh, to um, swear under her breath and uh, drop down onto her side, sliding off the slope and flying off into the distance out of sight. And uh, the uh, one of the squads of remaining stormtroopers stumbling against the uh, uh, stumbling against the, the slope will take a few shots um, up towards you, Elkiri. And they shoot wide and far away from you, uh, uh, Elkiri, um, uh, firing up into the sky, stumbling back. Uh, they then tumble back off the throne room edge and into the darkness. Um, Oko, it's your turn. Brandishing my blaster arm, uh, I zip up out of the floor onto the main level. Oh, notice there's one squad of stormtroopers there, but everyone else in the turbo lift, and just try to calmly zip to the turbo lift. Master Sorel, do you need ma- Oh. <laughs> and I'll heal Jacksmart. Yeah, he doesn't look great. <laughs> I hit the button. Heal seven wounds and administer two strain. I pass out. <laughs> uh, patching him up, the pain gets to Jacksmart and uh, he falls limp and uh, both you and Tan have to catch his body before it goes tumbling out of the turbo lift. Uh, at this tur- at this time, it's the final stormtrooper, uh, final stormtrooper squad's uh, turn. One of them uh, takes one step forward, reaches back into his utility belt, and pulls out a grenade. 
and raises up uh, his fist to throw it at you guys. And there's a, sh- a blaster shot as you see Stella the Hut, uh, gaping wound in her shoulder. She's pulled a small holdout blaster, the size of, uh, like a small pea shooter in her hand, and she's taken a shot, uh, hitting this guy in the chest. And uh, he stumbles back, and the grenade explodes, and him and the other two stormtroopers fly down um, from the force of the explosion. And Stello uh, falls limp as her throne slides down to the bottom of the uh, of the throne room, and the and the doors shut, blocking her from sight right before she goes over the edge. The or you guys press the button on the turbo lift; it starts zooming down. Uh, you feel as the angle gets more and more. You guys are almost almost forced to stand on the door before it opens up. You see amidst uh, plummeting uh, cargo and other ships, the Excipiter is still docked down this slope, uh, still attached to the dock, no longer stuck with a landlock though. Those restraints have been removed um, and it's a pretty sheer slope down there. Uh, You guys have less than 30 seconds probably before it is a complete vertical drop from this elevator. Jaxamar's limp body is still there with you. He doesn't seem uh, able to snap too. Uh, how do you guys get down to the exhibitor? Uh, uh, if you go down and open open it up, I can I can get him in. Just hurry, I think. Right away. Okay. All right, uh, Tan and Oko, as you go down, it is going to be either a coordinations or athletics check. Uh, there are two setbacks due to the difficult terrain leading down there, and it is a hard check. Two successes. One success. Okay, yeah. Jumping down towards some of the uh, the columns that now are more like platforms, uh, you guys slide down, catch a, a slow your momentum there, kick off of there, uh, um, and slide down a little more, um, grabbing onto one of uh, one of the speeders that is uh, locked into place, and then uh, having stopped your momentum a second time, you wait for a second and then uh, release and slide down all the way. Uh, uh, Tan remotely opening the. Uh, the cargo bay to the exhibitor and you slide right up into it. Uh, I'd like to swing by and grab the tracker off the box that luckily wedged between the exhibitor and the open, I'll flip a, I'll flip a destiny point. Yeah. Yeah. The tracker is there still and you can easily grab it. And uh, yeah, and then you two enter into the uh, uh, into the exhibitor and Elkiri sitting there. You're almost at a full vertical drop from this turbo lift down the docking bay to where the exhibitor is uh, with your unconscious uh, master, Jaxamar, in tow. So I will um, sort of wedge myself in a way that I'm like almost sitting so I can like look down and be like steadily and then I'm gonna use the force to move him down to the exhibitor. Okay, Uh, go ahead and roll that force check. Four light side points. Yeah, Uh, you're able to um, guide his descent down uh, and Oko and Tan are waiting kind of uh, braced up against the ramp into the cargo bay and they're able to grab onto him as you release him with the force. Um, How are you getting down? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Once I see that Oko has Jaxamar, I am going to stumble my way to the cockpit uh, and fire up the ship and I'd like to back it up this ramp to get as close to El Curie as possible. Sure, yeah. Um, go ahead and roll a hard piloting check for me. Uh, as you can easily turn on the exhibitor and detach it from the dock, uh, but the cargo bay is plummeting around you and spinning, and uh, uh, there's plenty of like ships whose docking restraints are breaking, and they're plummeting down uh, down below as well. Um, so it's going to be kind of hard for you to uh, not crash the exhibitor on your way backing up towards this turbo lift that Elkiri is almost hanging out of. That is four successes with a triumph and three advantage. Elkiri, you don't need to roll. Uh, <laughs> you're sitting there trying to decide like where you should jump first, and you see Tan uh, fire up the engines of the exhibitor, keeping the docking bay ramp down, uh, and she detaches it from the... Uh, uh, 
from the dock, letting the hanger kind of fall around her as she uh, as she stays in place. And she twists to the side to avoid some of the columns and then kicks on the engines uh, uh, just in time to begin falling with the station, giving you a pretty easy like drop onto the ramp. And you climb aboard and the uh, hangar door starts shutting. I'm on. Go. I will punch it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you kick on the engines. Uh, your previous advantages, uh, you've kind of like picked a, uh, picked your exit route with your reverse to angle yourself so that you can just shoot straight forward. While it was going to be daunting uh, to get out from your uh, from deeper in the hangar bay, this will just be another hard check. And it still has two setbacks due to difficult terrain because there's all sorts of debris falling down in front of you. Luckily, I am swift um, because I'm a tactician, so I do not suffer those setbacks. Cool. Yeah, you've been watching the plummet, uh, watching the debris falling, and you you are already you've been plotting your escape since you turned on the engine. And uh, yeah, go ahead and roll that hard piloting check. I'll uh, flip a destiny point to uh, add a challenge to, or to upgrade that check. That is two successes and one advantage. Okay, you punch it, zooming down, spinning uh, in a corkscrew fashion to weave through uh, the obstacles in your way. You come out the uh, the now bottom of this palace as it is very, very close to the ground, and you have to pull up hard uh, to level yourself out and fly in between uh, some buildings to stop yourself from... Uh, crashing directly into the ground you see this area this kind of like market district has been completely vacated as people have been fleeing the scene as this as this palace has been slowly descending down towards them uh and then also as you weave through the buildings and try to get like get like yourself some open air so your ship can breathe you see up above uh in between the moon and Nalhutta, uh not only the bloodhound of Reaper Squad, but two fully sized Imperial class Star Destroyers floating in orbit above this moon. Uh, and uh, where the Bloodhound is, the the very, very, very tiny in comparison Vigil class Corvette, uh, you do see a, sh- uh, a shuttle va- uh, leaving the scene, heading up towards uh, to dock with the Bloodhound. Your ship is damaged, basically as damaged as it was since your last encounter with Reaper Squad. And that was without the Imperial class Star Destroyers. As you coast along uh, along the surface of Narshada, you look up at what seems like possibly an impenetrable Imperial line. Uh, and that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company, Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries, or sister companies, or any Star Wars license holder, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Forced in Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games, Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.